What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey y'all, and welcome back to In Killing Color. This is episode number 27, and today we're going to talk about a man named Rashim Carter. Now, what happened to him is definitely still a mystery, and the family is still trying to get answers. So at this point, it's still kind of unsolved, and this is my very first unsolved, because I don't really do those too much. But this one definitely deserves a little bit of recognition. So today, today... We're going to talk about 25-year-old Rasheem Carter, what happened to him, and what's going on next. Let's get to it. These are their stories. Rasheem Carter was born on October the 28th, 1996, and he was the son of Tiffany Carter and Robert Fry. He was a 2015 graduate of Jefferson County High School, where he was a star football player and baseball player, mind you. He also graduated from Hines Community College in 2016 with a degree in welding and cutting technology. So he was a welder, a millwright, a chef, a music artist, and he was an entrepreneur. And in August of 2019, he opened his first business that was called Cali's Express. Now, let's really get to what really happened with this case. There are tons of unanswered questions surrounding the case of him. And let me just jump into it. His decomposing body was found on November the 2nd, 2022 in Taylorsville, Mississippi. I know it was kind of out of nowhere, but it's like, hey, I just I just need to get to it. So he was reported missing in early October by his family while he was staying at a Laurel, Mississippi hotel and he was working in Taylorsville. So he was on a contracting job with a company and he was staying at a hotel and he was transporting back and forth to work. So according to the family, in early October, he went to the Carter when I say he. I mean, Rashim. Rashim went to the police department in Taylorsville, Mississippi to report that some men in a white truck were after him and they were following him around. He told them that someone was trying to harm him. And I heard him when he said that it was somebody, but he just didn't know who it was, but he felt like somebody was following him. And that was a quote from his mom. She said, now when Rashim had talked to the police while he was in there he was actually on the phone with his mom so the police didn't know that anybody else heard what he said so the mom says hey little did they know I was on the phone when he said it he told me on the phone personally that it was three white trucks full of white men following him constantly she also said that he waited nervously in the police station he was pacing back and forth 
and he asked the officers for a ride back to the Laurel, Mississippi hotel that he was staying in. Now, they told him that the he they could not take him back to the hotel because it was outside of their jurisdiction and they couldn't do it. Now, I'm going to stop right there. That's how you know we was in the middle of Mississippi because I've never heard of a police when you say, hey, I feel like I'm being followed. Can I get a little piece of help? And they was like, nope, can't take you out of my jurisdiction, big dog. I'm not going to take you. So they didn't take him. Now, where he went to the police station and where he was, where he was staying, it was probably about a 30 minute drive. So at which point the police could have taken him to his hotel if he felt he was being followed. I thought that the police were supposed, supposed, supposed to serve and protect. So if I go to the police and say, hey, I feel like these people are following me. I've seen this van following me for several days, multiple vans. Can you please give me a ride back to the hotel where I'm staying? And they say no, because it's outside of my jurisdiction. What's the goddamn point of the police? Anyway, so Sheriff Joel Houston responded by saying that Rashim Carter did not indicate that he was in any danger when he came to the police department. Pause. So if somebody comes to you and tells you, hey, there's a van that's been following me. Does that not indicate danger or do I have Does Should he have said, hey. I feel like I'm in danger because there's a truck following me. Like, I feel like they're playing semantics at this point because it's just like, if I tell you somebody's following me, somebody's following me. Can you please help me get back to my hotel? Because at the time, he did not have a vehicle. He was taking cabs and things back and forth to the job site. Cool. Everybody understands stuff like that. But if you could, child, I'm not, I'm not even about to get into it with the police. So, the police said he never seemed to be in any distress or anything about any of that, or he never mentioned anything about being in danger. The police said they offered him a phone call and he said he had a phone and they even offered him a phone charger, but the charger that they had didn't fit his phone. So at that point, he was just trying to get a ride from get a ride from his job site to the hotel. And that's where he got in with the police. Now, I refuse to believe that a police station with all these police there, nobody has a charger to fit somebody's phone. It's only three chargers out there. It's the lightning charger. It's the C charger. And it's the USB charger. Somebody in there has that. Let me clap three more times. Somebody in there got that. And I think they was trying to be funny. So at that point, nobody really knows where Rashim stayed that night. But at some point, he did get back to Taylorsville and he went back to the police station the next day. Again, expressing his concerns about his well-being and safety. And again, he received no assistance. So on Sunday morning, October the 2nd, a family friend named Isha Aisha, I don't want to say it wrong, I'm going to say Isha Green, informed Rashim that they were coming to pick him up and it would take a couple of hours to drive where he was. Once Isha made it to Taylorsville, she could not find Rashim. Okay? So, 
Isha said that when I first got there, I went to the Chevron and I waited for a little bit. I then went to the Piggly Wiggly Food Mart, did a couple errands and asked, had anybody seen them, showed them a photo and everybody said no. She also drove to many other places, including his hotel in Laurel. But when she got there, she was never able to make contact with him. So later, after people decided to start doing what they were supposed to do and looking at police cameras, they later saw that he was on a landowner's camera and he was seeming to be a little bit distraught, distracted. And he was looking around kind of suspiciously with a stick in his hand. Now, his mom says she saw the video and she said that it looked like he knew that someone was after him and he looked like he had the stick in his hand so he could protect himself. And he didn't know if someone was chasing him. She didn't know if someone was chasing him, but he did have bruises on his face and he had a gash on the side of his hairline. So they go looking for the boy, the man. They can't find him at the hotel, but then surveillance video shows him looking around looking scared looking shook he has bruises on his face and he has a gash on his hairline in the words of my grandpa like i've said on multiple episodes there's a dead cat on the line somewhere somebody's doing something so the family stated that two days after isha couldn't find him somebody withdrew 500 dollars from his bank account now Rashim's family does not believe that it was him that took the money from his account. They also believe that the day that the video showed him with the bruise and the cuts on his hairline was the same day that he was murdered. Now, his mom says that there are some cameras around the ATM and they roll for like 30 days. And I want to say that it deletes and rolls again 30 days afterwards. So they are trying to piece together the timeline of the videos just to make sure that the timeline lines up, lines up from when he called to when they couldn't find him to when he really became missing. So his mom says, you know, whoever took the money out of the account knew that there was a specific time frame for the videos to start over and stop. So she feels like it was some type of setup for sure. And I understand that. So now, you know, he had an account with Chime. So now the family was trying to go back and forth with Chime to try to figure out they need him them to release the card information to see where the ATM was, where the money was withdrawn, what time, just all of that stuff, because, you know, that stuff is available. Now, it did take a while for those records to get back, but the police say that they didn't learn about this information until the first week of November and then when they were finally able to get the full card number from Chime or after they had a subpoena, they got a search warrant, all that stuff. All that stuff was very inconclusive. So it was just kind of like, y'all not really trying to help. So in my words, don't get Chime, okay? Because if you get caught up in some crime, Chime ain't going to help you, okay? So they said that the last time that his card was used was on August the 13th. August the 13th. Now you remember me saying October and November. So if the last time his card was used was in October, excuse me, in August of 2022, there was no proof 
that there was something actually withdrawn on October of 2022. But there was activity showing that. So that's a whole discrepancy right there. Now, according to the family, Carter went to the store the day before he disappeared. There was when he told his mom that he was on the he was in the cashier line. He told his mom, yeah, he's in here, but he kind of left the store. So they're saying that someone must have called into the store or they were on their personal cell phones and asked, was he in the store? So let me just clarify what I said. He was in a store. Somebody said, is he in the store? The store clerk replied, yes, he's in the store. So his mom is saying that someone must have called the store or the store clerk or owner asked, was he in there? And they said, yes. She said that he then said that I heard her say, yeah, he's in the store and I just got out of the store. So now they go speak to the cashier and magically cashier don't know shit about shit. Of course, he don't know shit about shit. They never do. So then Rashim's mom states that he messaged her the name of the person who would be responsible for his death if something was to happen to them. She never said who the name was, but getting a text from your child saying hey if I'm dead this is who did it I feel like that's a smoking gun that's that's the information that you needed okay so due to the sensitive nature of this case and the fact that it's still been unsolved like I said they weren't giving out the name so on November the 2nd, Rashim's body was discovered in a wooded area in Taylorsville, Mississippi. According to the family, he had his Super 8 Motel key in his hand and his wallet along with that same chime card. He also had what appeared to be a cell phone battery, but no phone. So this is why they could not track him. So when I hear cell phone battery, I'm thinking burner phone or something like that because nowadays you can't just take batteries out of iPhones or Androids like you have to have one of those like track phones or one of those little prepaid gibbet phones from the store you know what I'm saying so everybody the news was saying hey we believe that's a cell phone battery but he had been in the woods for several weeks and we weren't able to locate the phone and then they went to say oh it might not be a cell phone battery it might be something else Y'all know what a cell phone battery looked like. Stop. It's like the links they go to to try to disprove stuff is so fucking wild to me. Like, you know what a cell phone battery looks like. Like, come on. So his body was discovered in the Smith County, was discovered by the Smith County Sheriff's Office in a pine tree plantation with the help of cadaver dogs from North Mississippi. They confirmed that a cell phone charger, a vape, all of his bank cards, car keys, and cash was found on his person. Now, of course, they're going to go to the news and say, hey, there is no indication of foul play. So you found that man in a plantation woods with all his shit, and he just passed out and died. Okay. Now, the Smith County Sheriff's Department released a statement on their social media page that says, 
We want to reiterate that this is an ongoing investigation. Other agencies, including the MBI and FBI, have assisted as well. All details have been given solely to the mother, and if she wants anything additional released or if we find anything else that the public needs to know, we will release the information at that time. He had made a point to reiterate that the case was open and that the case was a priority in their department, that they're working closely with the Mississippi FBI, MBI, just to get all the stuff together. And... Rashim did have a six-year-old daughter and his remains are, were still in the possession of the Mississippi Crime Lab as of December of 2022. And also as of December 22, his mother had yet to see the remains of her son. So here we are as of last week, 102 days after his last phone call with his mom, Rashim Carter's remains will finally be laid to rest in his hometown of Fayette, Mississippi on February the 25th, 2023, which was Saturday, this past Saturday. Now, you know, she hadn't heard from him since October the 2nd, and they're just really trying to figure out exactly, exactly, exactly what's going on. Now, they say that it was reported that his phone had pinged several times in different locations, but they could not pin down the locations. Now, ever since then, two peaceful, peaceful protests have taken place in the small town of Taylorsville to try to find some answers because at this point, there's no answers. And also, the autopsy came back. And within the autopsy, it showed that he wasn't just found in the woods with his wallet and shit in his pockets. Rashim was found dismembered with his wallet, keys, phone, things in his pocket. So this is not just a, hey, he was dead. Maybe it was drugs. Maybe not. No, 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 no. If a man comes to the police multiple times and tells them, I'm being followed by this van in Mississippi, where we know how Mississippi gets down and nobody does nothing. Nobody does nothing. And then he shows up months later, dismembered in the woods. But we don't have any, we don't have anything. And then it took months for his remains to be identified. And then it took months for his mom to be able to be available to see those remains. That's some bullshit. And we know it's some bullshit. Everybody knows it's some bullshit. What are y'all covering up? Who was in the fucking white vans? Was it the cops? Was it the KKK? Who was it? So now the family has to, not only did they finally get to bury his body, now they have to go through the process of figuring out what happened to this young man because all he was trying to do was figure out his contract with Georgia Pacific and get his coin. He was just in Mississippi trying to get his coin. And then he was ultimately unalived by some mystery people. Missing. He went to the police for help. They ain't had no help for him. And now here we go. So we're going to keep up with this case. And I had to talk about it because the news came up yesterday 
about his body finally being laid to rest. And it just made me feel like it gave me a sense of relief, but it also gave me a sense of this is some this is some bullshit. And I'm sure everybody else feels that way, too. So we're definitely going to keep up with Rashim's case because we need to know what happened to Rashim. Somebody needs to be. Somebody needs to take accountability for this. We can't just let this keep these type of things keep getting swept under the rug for us because it's not fair. Y'all want to drag to the mud about people that have been and I'm gonna say it's not people about white girls that have been murdered and all these things y'all want to drag it you want to talk about it every day not trying to be funny we still talking about John Benet Ramsey girl how long ago was that everybody know the brother did it oops <laughs> my bad but we still talking about that why we can't talk about these black men and women that these things happen to for 10 15 20 years afterwards is it because he wasn't a cute beauty pageant little girl? Or was it because he wasn't a abused white girl that was went on a trek with her man and then he killed her and then killed himself too? People need to start thinking about shit like this. Like I hate to like go in and go off about it, but I'm tired of this shit. The more I get into these crime podcasts, the more I see the disparity and the disadvantage that we get when it comes to solving unsolved or mysterious circumstances involving black people's death. You can be mad about it. You don't have to fuck with it, but you have to realize that this is a fact. We're still talking about shit 20 years after it happened for somebody. This happened in November and I bet don't nobody barely know nothing about it. Folk got to get it together, okay? I'm going to get off my soapbox, but I'm going to follow up on this. So, thank y'all for listening. Sorry to rant, but I be tired, okay? <laughs> also, please make sure that you are following me on social media, In Killing Color on all platforms, because I have something new and amazing coming up for y'all. Really new and amazing, and it's going to be dope. And I can't wait for you to hear it. So I'll talk to y'all next time. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.